Welcome to Psydactic Residency Edition. I am Dr. O'Leary, a psychiatry resident in the National Capital Region, and as of today, unless there are any surprises, I am confident that my residency will let me continue on as a third-year resident. However, I do not speak for my residency, or anyone else for that matter. What I say here is my own opinion, and take it for what it's worth. This is an episode to report updates in the dsm 5 TR, text revision, that can be practice changing. I will also divulge a little about myself and how my philosophy and values have changed over time. In particular, I'm reminded of how I have struggled to understand transgendered and other gendered individuals. I should disclose here that I'm 43 years of age as I speak this, which means that I grew up in the 80s and 90s. When I was young and heard the word trans, the only thing that I thought of were men who dressed like women. The term transvestite was all I knew. I was wholly ignorant of anything else. And by wholly, I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y and H-O-L-Y. I grew up in a culture, religion, and a family that paid very little attention to this issue. But I have no excuse for ignorance anymore. As a physician and a human, I have needed to grow in my understanding of what is real and what is possible in this world. I also have a bachelor's and master's degree in biology. And what I was taught as dogma in my church and in my home was also taught as dogma in my biology class. Humans have two sexes, and two genders. Now, there are creatures who have sexual and gender characteristics different than humans. Some creatures are asexual. Some can be asexual, like reproduced by binary fission or mitosis, or sexual, reproduced with gametes. Some have binary forms, male and female, that produce different complementary gametes. And some have binary forms that can transition into the other sexual form that's like changing from male to female. Some creatures are hermaphroditic and can take both sexual forms at the same time, which means basically that they can fertilize their own eggs. However, when it comes to mammals and humans in particular, I was taught that there are two forms, male and female, and anything else is an aberration. A mistake. I assumed that sexual reproduction is something we must do, and to do otherwise is wrong. I have put that idea to rest. Humans are not sexual or gender binary, and they never have been. The presence of certain sexual organs, functional or not, do not determine gender. Chromosomes and sexual characteristics are not deterministic of sex or gender. Neither do genes determine sexual or gender characteristics. There are some genes and some chromosomes that under certain environmental and developmental conditions have a very strong effect, but this effect is not in any way universal, nor should it be, nor is it necessary for the sake of our species? 
I've come to realize that to call something an aberration or a mistake is the aberration and the mistake. It is a value judgment. It assumes that something was meant to be a certain way for a reason that is predetermined and correct. This is simply not true. I could go into details about the biological examples of sex and gender, quote, mismatch, unquote. I could tell you about XY females and androgen with androgen insensitivity and XXY individuals given the diagnosis of Kleinfelter syndrome or XYY individuals given the name super males. But that would be assuming that the chromosomes and their genes are what matter. What matters ultimately is the expression and experience of gender in the individual. What matters ultimately is the expression and experience of gender in the individual. This is the value that I present here. It is the embrace of this value that drove some of the changes in the DSM-5 text revision. I'm not going to tell you that the DSM is the Bible that tells us how to relate to our patients. It is not. Instead, it has incorporated language that more correctly includes updates to our understanding of the differences between gender and sex characteristics. It is only one step in the direction of a more realistic value system. Later, I'll present an episode on the diagnostic criteria of gender dysphoria, which is a thing different from gender expression. For now, I will focus on how words in the DSM text were changed to be less ignorant and more inclusive. Now, I've heard the term culturally sensitive language used to describe it, but I feel like that misses the point. I prefer the term more inclusive or more applicable language because the point is not to be sensitive to a culture. The point is to be more correct for our patients. First, I want to highlight the change of desired gender to experienced gender. The term desired gender, while not technically incorrect, I mean, non-binary and transgendered individuals have the desire to have their gender recognized, but it assumes that desire is the primary motive force. Everyone, including cisgender individuals, those whose gender is already affirmed by our historical expectations, desire that their gender be recognized. We desire it because we experience it. Whether you feel male-female, some combination of both, some gender as of yet unrecognized by others, or completely lacking gender altogether, that is the gender you experience. You desire to be you. Next. Cross-sex medical procedure was updated to gender-affirming medical procedure and cross-sex hormone treatment to gender-affirming 
hormone treatment. Now, to call something cross-sex is to make two mistakes. One of these mistakes is to call it cross. Not everyone is crossing some line. Not everyone wants to be what they see that others already are. They want to be themselves. The next mistake is to use the word sex as if it is synonymous with gender. It is not. Using the term gender-affirming can include changing any sexual or gender characteristic that an individual wants to change without making assumptions. The next notable change is changing natal male to individual assigned male at birth and natal female to individual assigned female at birth. Um, This has all sorts of problems. The first one, well, just imagine you're a cisgender individual, uh, that you identify with the gender that you were assigned and the sexual characteristics that you were assigned at birth. Would you call yourself a natal male if you were assigned male or a natal female if you were assigned female? Um, You also wouldn't say that I was assigned male at birth. So this is problematic in all sorts of ways. And this is a good time to point out that our language has failed us before we even speak. To equate sex male with gender male is to assume that they are the same thing, which they are not. And the same is true for females. However, as a society, we don't have good words to integrate into our collective understanding in order to speak them differently. That's why we have to note assigned at birth as a qualifier. In the future... We should consider separating gender expression from sexual characteristics entirely in our nomenclature. The last thing that I'm going to note is that the term differences in sex development in the DSM-TR replaced the term disorders of sexual development um, noted previously. This is a good enough change for now And it also suffers from the lack of clarity between what is gender and what is sex. If you have made it with me this far, I thank you for giving me the time to vent. What I'm really doing is struggling. Struggling with my own demons and trying to solidify in my mind my nascent understanding of gender and sex. And what I don't understand about gender and sex. It's a struggle that we all participate in. Also, I would beg of you to be kind to us gender travelers like me, who also happen to be quite a bit older. Point out when we're wrong or uninformed. And yes, judge us, but please Do so with some clarity, some charity, and some patience. Thank you very much. I am Dr. O, and this has been an episode of Sidactic. 
Residency Edition. 